Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Another episode of The Beat, brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, at BetMGM.com, using the promo code TheAthleticPod, that's all one word, TheAthleticPod. I'm, of course, Nick Bungrunner, along with Brendan Quinn, here in snowy Ann Arbor. Brendan, how we doing? We got a somber note to start today's show with, but uh, we'll get the uh, get that out first. Um, of course, you all know this, anyone who's listening to this show knows that uh, John Madden, of course, passed away, I believe it was yesterday, Brendan, right? Or was it over the last couple days? Um, at 85, um, we all have our memories and thoughts and things about John Madden. I know I have mine. I, I, I would ask you though, first, Brendan, I, Chris Burke and I were recording earlier. We talked about this uh, on our show because we were asked the same thing, you know, about the video game, about everything else, about, you know, and I sort of came to the realization a long time ago, really. Um, and it jogged my memory because I watched the Madden documentary just the other night on Christmas. Uh, that he really was the first like football hero, whatever for me, because that's how I learned football was watching John Madden, and I mean like that's as simple as I can say it. And so I want to ask you though before I give more into this, your yeah, what you uh, thought or what 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 he struck, what chord he strikes with you, I suppose, as a basketball so, guy who likes football as well. Yeah, right. Like, and I I hadn't thought of John Madden in years. Sure, right, right. and. So last night I went through, and as I typically do when something like this happens, I went into SI Vault. Yeah, you know, which is a uh, uh, just like one of the best resources out there, mm-hmm. and I uh, just started reading, reading old profile pieces on him, and read like Peter King's, you know, Peter King got on the Madden oh, Cruiser yeah, back a, in the day and God wrote a story. Yeah. Wrote a story. Um, yeah. That's really good. That was kind of based on... So Madden Love... uh, What the hell is it called? Travels with Charlie. Yeah. Steinbeck. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really... That, along with his claustrophobia... um, Afraid of flying and all that. Yeah, right. Led led him to traveling by uh, by bus across the country. And uh, so reading that piece specifically, reading a few others, the thing that really became abundantly clear was that the most, in my view, the most interesting thing about John Madden was that he was the ultimate football guy. Yeah, right. Except without the God complex. Mm-hmm. He's a normal person. That that comes with that persona so often, right. that like football guy mm-hmm. persona. Um, it's often, you know, that, that, that person's, the thing that 
defeats them most often yeah. is that inherent God complex that comes with all that machismo bullshit right. and blah, blah, blah um, that, you know, we've talked about endlessly. And uh, and that led to the kind of persona that, that he had um, in terms of being the voice of the sport for... Not only, but not one generation, probably multiple, multiple generations, yeah, and multiple. even even now. Yeah. Um, and like one thing that that Peter King wrote was that uh, it was that Madden saw America from the ground floor, and that was obviously a play on mm-hmm. him on the bus. Right. Yeah. But it also kind of spoke to I think like that he just saw normal people, regular guy, and that's how he spoke to people when he was on. Yeah. The broadcast. So his ability to speak simply and to not take himself so seriously mm-hmm. and to not take the game, you know, he took it seriously without making it sound like he was, you know, that these are it men wasn't, on it wasn't par war. with NASA yeah. scientists as they're <laughs> these genius. You can't possibly understand what these guys are coming up with when they're designing these plays, <laughs> folks. You know, like he just had, he just struck that chord. <clears throat> Of oh. normalcy and like a guy you just want to shoot the shit with, and uh, yeah, it was it's it's really odd kind of going back and reading oh, about he is, people when when they go like that, you know. He is an American original uh, mm-hmm. all the way, all the way. I mean, you know, the the thing we don't talk about a lot, I guess, is the fact that he was a coach um, and he yeah. was the best, the best coach in the history of the league when he retired at forty one. And that's the thing I did. I watched the documentary, of course, the other sure. night, and I went back and read a bunch of stuff um, from the day he retired from coaching, Inclu- hmm. including some stuff from uh, Ray Ratto uh, and some other yeah. folks Hell yeah. that were back there in the Bay Area at the time, and, you know, newspaper stuff. And, like, first of all, some of the coverage was convinced that Al Davis, this was a setup job, and that Davis was <laughs> screwing Madden and sending him upstairs. <laughs> no one could believe that he was doing this. And it was, like, yeah. I think Rat- Ray Ratto or maybe somebody else wrote the story that... Um, you know, kind of led with his wife, Virginia Madden, who um, was like, I told him, you're going to die if you keep doing this, so you yeah. should probably quit. And he did, and he lived to 85, right? Like, that, I think, is to your point of, like, John Madden took football more serious than anybody I've ever seen. But it wasn't, right. it was still just, it wasn't his whole life. It wasn't, you know, and that's the thing I think I loved about him was that, like, I hear, I heard a lot of those I saw a lot of those comments yesterday. Uh, Mike Rosenberg wrote something like that. It was really well said about, you know, the ability to take it more serious than anybody without taking it serious. Right. And very, very well said. And that's the gift that Madden had. But I think it also gets lost sometimes by folks that, man, like no one appreciated football like John Madden. Nobody. Nobody. And like when we would talk with, you know, you know that we've talked with Deerdorf and mm-hmm. I have, of course, about this and his style of a broadcaster. And at the time, he said this once, like, at the time in the 80s like that, when they were doing it, you know, the country was only ready for so much football, tech, you know, technical info, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, Dan and Madden and those guys, like, got that, I think. And Madden especially. And as time went on, like, you could tell he taught you the game. And so my whole thing with John Madden, and Nezzy tweeted out yesterday, because I tweeted the thing <laughs> of him with uh, Nate Newton, the, get, or the, mm-hmm. yeah. the, the steam come out of his head. Yeah. And he, you know, he tweeted like Madden really loved Nate Newton, and I was like, you know, he really did. And for me, when I was playing football in high school, and I was growing up and learning the game and everything else with freshman coaches, JV coaches, everything else, offensive line coaches, they would tell us like, 
Watch your go watch on Sundays. Watch your position on TV, and watch Madden's games and listen to them because he will tell you something. He will say something in that in this game or whatever that mm-hmm. will show up for you as an offensive lineman. It will prove something that we've taught you here isn't bullshit or whatever. Like that, they told us specifically watch John Madden's games and listen to him, and. I did, and he was, it was always these Cowboys games in the 90s, and like Nate Newton was the left guard for the Dallas Cowboys, which is what I played. <laughs> and I would watch, and you know, and it was like, and he would talk about some stuff that they would do. Madden would, he would point out things that they were doing. I'm like, that was stuff that we were doing. Little things, mm-hmm. you know, basic football stuff. And it was just like the coolest thing I'd ever thought or felt in my life. And it was like Nate Newton became my guy. Madden talked mm-hmm. about him all the time. They were it was revealed in that documentary that they were like friends. They became close. He and I think Nate Newton had gotten to all kinds of like weed sales problems oh, like yeah. later in life and all this shit. He was in the documentary with Madden and he was like, We were tight. We became close friends because he took a <laughs> interest in how I played the game. He appreciated how I played the game and we talked football on like a level that nobody else got. And it was like it all kind of hit me watching it Christmas night. It was just like, Jesus, man, like I I learned football through his eyes and ears and voice and everything else. And, like, you know, he's football. Like, to me, John Madden is football. All the way. Video game aside. You know, and that's a huge part of it, too. But video game aside, to me, that's, like, when I think about football, he's, like, one of the first two people or three people that I think about in any context. And that's crazy. And, yeah, what a loss. Uh, American icon, for sure. I I feel like, like, the... Like good, healthy takeaway, like that that people could have in this, uh, in talking about him and and um, kind of recount. Like so few people have these just wild swings of their career where he, you know, he's the the top of the game as a coach, and then he has these moments of self realization of what he wants to be about, and and then he gets into broadcasting, and then the video game. Like it's just an insane. <laughs> Life. Nobody else but ever. One of the yeah. things that jumped out the most when reading about him was he spoke a few times about a conversation that he had with John Robinson mm-hmm. when they were coaching together. I guess they would have been with the Raiders. Yeah, this they were before, close I think, friends this all be- the way. Yeah, close friends. This is before Robinson went to USC, yeah, right? right? He went from the Raiders to USC. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Madden has like recounted this conversation where John Robinson told him like, he called him out and was like, man, like you've changed. Mm-hmm. Like you've got tunnel vision. Yeah. You don't have any idea what's going on in the world. Right. You've lost your sense of humor. Right. You've lost your inquisitiveness. You're just a... And like, this is just John Robinson right. just calling his ass out. Well, like, they, right? They've been friends since they were like five. Yeah. Yeah, right. And, and Madden listened to his guy. Like, he listened to him. Crazy. And then he realized like, oh, right. there's more to life. Mm-hmm. Then football and the Raiders and its family and it's this and it's that and I need to go discover this other part of the world. Like who does that? That's just at the top of your profession. It's the ultimate. You know, like, like we're ideal. Even outside of sports, we we're just so ingrained to be selfish mm-hmm. when you find something that like this is what I do for a living, right? Yeah. Um, it's just. I'm sorry, I interrupted. I can't. I, yeah. I mean, you can't put yourself in the shoes, but it's like it's almost like a person that's that good at something has the ability to sort of compartmentalize parts of their life and say, this part of yeah. my life is over now and mm-hmm. I'm completely content with it. And I have no, and he said like, that's why I wanted to read the day at uh, the stuff about the day he retired. He said the day he retired, I will never coach football again ever. And I will certainly never work for another football team. That's not this one, the Raiders. And he never did. 
<laughs> it was just like he never did. Can you imagine if like Lincoln Riley or Ryan Day tomorrow was like, I'm retiring. We'd all be like, fuck you. You, you are full of shit. I'll see you next year, asshole. Like all these guys would do. Parcells retired like seven times, right? Uh-huh. All these guys. He did. Madden is the only one that did it. And it. I couldn't help but be struck by watching. And if you haven't seen the documentary, you have to watch the damn. It's so good. And mm-hmm. it's so cool that he got to watch it because basically what it is is like it's a lot of football guys from over the years just basically looking into a camera and being like, this is what he meant to me, John Madden. And yeah. he got to see it all, right? And it's like to see all those reactions and to see all that sort of thing and to see sort of his jerk. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're carrying on about all this or whatever, but like it's <laughs> – yeah, it, it was a cool thing. The whole thing's very cool. It's very unique. There's no one else like John Madden, no story like John Madden. Um no coach probably at the top of his game to step away like that. And then, you know, he lived his life. He lived his life. He lived with his family. Uh, mm-hmm. He, li- you know, was private with them. He didn't, when he stopped broadcasting, he stopped broadcasting. You didn't hear about John Madden. You said it at the top, right? Like, I hadn't thought about him in 15 years because he just disappeared. Right. And he was with his family. And like, you know, yeah, to to be able to, to go through your life and not ever, <laughs> not ever fail at anything, really. Mm-hmm. And then be able to shut something off and then just go to the net, like, crazy. I don't know. How would you do that? I have no idea. But, yeah, one of a kind. Did you uh, did you see the, uh, you know that the Twitter follow? Uh, it's like random college athletes yeah. or something. Yeah, yes. The picture of him as an offensive, put uh, it in there? Yeah. As, as, big, as, a, as a lineman big, from, uh, from Cal Red. Poly. Yeah, right. yeah. 1957. <laughs> the picture's unfucking believable He looks like he is 43 years old. It's spectacular. That's my favorite. What, I, I, I shared it and some dude replied, he looks like Big Tom Callahan. I was like, that is perfect. It is spot on. He looks like Big Tom Callahan. All these other coaches have like croaked when they're 40 and he's the one who makes it to 85. You're goddamn right, John Madden. One of a kind. Rest in peace. Anyway, we got some football here to talk about. Uh, locally. Yeah, man. Some big big week. Coming up. Big week, yeah. Michigan, Georgia in the playoff on Friday. Michigan State. Pit in the Peach Bowl on Thursday. Which one you want to uh, tackle first here? Uh, let's go in order. All right, Michigan so State we'll start first. With Thursday. Yeah, there you go. Michigan State. You got Pitt. Colton out there on the ground, right? Colton is there. Uh, he is in Atlanta. I believe he got there either yesterday or the day before. Um, and I believe now, at least, we have a somewhat functioning idea. I don't know if it's all the way there yet, but we have a pretty good idea, I think, of who's going to play and who's not going to play. Right? Like I think <laughs> Colton. <laughs> Wrote on that this morning, and it's like, it's interesting, and Mel Tucker's, and all these coaches, really, I think that I haven't seen, you know, Ryan Day's been supportive of the Ohio State guys have sat, that have sat out, Mel, of course, but it's been interesting to see these fan bases kind of go through the this process. Michigan went yeah. through it several years ago, but the guy's sitting out, but I think we kind of know now, right? Like, who's going to play, who's not going to play, and my whole thing, because I think the big news yesterday was Jalen Naylor is going to play. So that gives and Jaden Reed. And Jane Reed. So that gives Michigan State right. Reed, Naylor, and Thorne without Walker. Pitt doesn't have its quarterback. I mean, I like Michigan State more today than I did yesterday. Yeah. But it's like yeah. this is a weird I haven't I haven't even known like I've tried to look at this thing seventeen different times. I'm like, well, I don't know if that guy's playing. I don't know if that that guy's playing. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to get a judge here, but I guess my biggest takeaway is like there's gonna be a lot of young guys playing in this game. A lot that this is huge for them. And I think it's almost in some ways, if you look at it that way, and I think Tucker probably will, if you have an older guy who isn't going to be back, 
who's going to sit this out and you're playing a good team like it's for the best of your it's for the betterment of your program really that the younger guy get a chance to do some things now we'll see what they do with those reps in game that's what I'm I'm kind of curious to see where the reps go does he ignore right. maybe an older guy who maybe has earned it and just load it up with a young kid I I he's different so yeah. I don't know that's my question here as we go into this one like at running back I, like who's going to get the carries you know when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I think their their biggest benefit, asset, whatever the hell you want to call it, is yeah, there's walkers out. You you want to be able to play young guys, but at the center of it, you got Thorn. Yeah. You know, it's exactly. one thing if you if you got like right, the freshman or sophomore quarterback and you're just like, Well, this is just this might just turn into goddamn Yeah romper room out there you know what i mean but like you've got a guy who's going to have both hands on the wheel yeah and i think it's as equally as big for the for thorn as it is the young guys because this game is clearly right the obvious narrative here is this is peyton thorn yeah taking taking the program over i think so. right i think that's what the, yeah, that's walker what walker's out mm -hmm. walker's doing his thing rightfully so and now it's thorn's turn to be the guy who handed it off to the Heisman candidate to being the guy who now the game is in his arm, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, he's still going to have his two primary weapons. Um, but having him, I feel like, allows you to try some things. I think it does, too. I, I yeah. yeah, I think it does. I think it's, it allows you to, you know, if you're Jay Johnson in the offensive staff, it allows you to lean on him in ways that maybe you didn't earlier in the season when you had Walker there, right? Like, it allows you, like you're saying, to try some things, really, to load him up more, maybe. To, to mm -hmm. do more things with Peyton in this game than, than you've done in other games this season to see what he can handle. I think Michigan State fans for years would look back to um, the year before the 2013 team made it to the Rose Bowl. They played, God, was it the... What was it called at the time? Was it the B-Dubs Bowl still? The, the one out in Phoenix? They played in mm -hmm. the... It was the against TCU in like a 7-6, seven 7-6 and six, seven and six game, and Connor Cook started the game. It was the last game of the season, and he played really well. And they did a bunch of different kind of stuff. Not maybe different, but they, you know, let him let him run it out there and do the thing. What do you got to lose, right? Started sure. the game, played really well, and then the next season just kept getting better and better, and everybody knows his story, of course, from there. I sort of look at this game as a much larger version of that, and like, he's been very good all year. We already know he's good. I think he's going to be one of the better quarterbacks we see returning in college football next season um but like he was a second second fiddle like second option second guy here whatever you want to call it like he 
he wasn't the main event uh, at Michigan State this year, and I do wonder, yeah, is this an opportunity to say you got your top two receivers back? I think Tyler Hunt might not play the tight end, but uh, um, Connor Hayward's going to play, and he's got NFL mm-hmm. stuff on the line here, so he's he's going to be here for it. You got Malik Carr. You got all your weapons other than Walker. The running back should be hungry as hell. Yeah. Cut it loose. Let's see some points. Like, that's what I'm sort of looking for here. I don't give a shit about the secondary. Like, let's see the <laughs> offense with all the guys that are here and are going to yeah. be here. Let's see them have a day. You know, that's what I'm looking at here uh, as they go into this one. And I think they can because Pitt's defense is still, you know, intact, I think, for the most part, and still a formidable outfit. So you're going to test yourself against a good team. I think that's the opportunity uh, that you're looking at here more than anything. Win, lose, whatever. It's let's see the offense really have a nice day. Uh, and on the and last one. Thorne, Thorne probably would have been a much bigger story this year. Oh yeah, if not for Walker, he's like the right? one, it, He's like the most it, overlooked guy in the one of the most yeah. overlooked guys in the country. I think. Yeah. I mean, the guy he did. We, if I remember correctly, he, was he awesome. wasn't named. He wasn't named the starter until like a day or two before. Until right. Walked, until he walked out on the field. I, I mean, more or less. I yeah. Mean, I think Mel told him. But yeah, I mean that was he wouldn't tell anybody else until the first snap of the year when he handed it off to Walker and Walker scored a touchdown. <laughs> that's right. So that's the story of his season, right? Like right yes. there, he won the job, and it, the the story of Michigan State season went from Peyton Thorne winning the job to handoff touchdown. Holy shit, who is this guy? <laughs> and Who's then this it, kid from Wake Forest? He seems pretty yeah, pretty then, damn fast. It never stopped, and so now. <laughs> Like, you know, you're happy for Walker that he gets a chance to go. I think that one of the guys, maybe Xavier Henderson, said this week, like, um, when you have a year that good, man, you have to leave. Like, they, he didn't want to. I guess some of the guys were saying, like, they got the sense that he didn't really want to go. Like, he wanted to stay, would have preferred to stay, and certainly would have wanted to play in the game. Like, I think Thorne said he was surprised a little that he didn't, that he mm-hmm. did, in fact, go through with it. But, like, all of them were like, but he... It kind of sounded like they were like, we would have been pissed almost like if he decided he was going to play because obviously you can't have that. But yeah, it opens up opportunities for other guys. And that has to be how you look at it here um, going forward. So running back position. Yeah. So what you got? Elijah, Elijah uh, Collins, yes. Jordan Simmons splitting. Well, or do you think they just go with Collins? You got the you got the jo- you got the, the joiner kid too. Uh, the, tr- the other yep, transfer yep, that they yep, brought in. Yep. And, you know, this is interesting because. Uh, Jalen Berger is uh, Berger Berger. I, I can never pronounce his name. Whatever. However, he says it. Jalen Berger, the kid from Wisconsin, is coming in, um, and he's good. And I think that they expect him to be a guy that's in the mix. I think they're probably still poking around there, and will continue to look at the portal and everything else. But you can't reasonably expect someone to come in and do what Walker did this year in any scenario. No. So it's impossible to put that on Jalen Berger or anyone else. <laughs> a more reasonable scenario next year would be two backs who are good and a third who is like your, you know, your your spare or whatever, like two backs who carry the load and your third who sort of is your off-speed pitch. And that's why I look at Simmons and Collins and say like, this is your opportunity right here to get yourself in that top two. Right. Get me in that top two with Berger or whoever else comes in to where I'm I'm sure that I'm going to go into spring at least as 1A or 1B and I'm going to get reps. And so, because that's going to be a really competitive spot for them next year. Super competitive, as we know. Like the running back job in general and Tucker is going to bring guys in to take everyone's job. That's how it's going to go. So whoever takes over all those lost reps, like it's going to be a big deal. So I think for me, if I'm Simmons or Collins or I guess Joyner, I don't know if Joyner has, I think he does have 
uh, years left. But certainly Collins and Simmons, like, yeah, because if you fall behind here, that's the old, that's the alternative. If you fall behind here, you're done. <laughs> like that's the thing. No doubt. And, and these are, these being two guys who already came into this year, probably thinking, yeah, uh, imagining right. themselves in a certain role, and then right. they're like, who the who's fuck this, is guy? this guy? You know, <laughs> <laughs> right. And a Heisman candidate yeah. just comes falling out of the sky, and it's just like I'm t- I'm taking all the carries. Right. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> all of them. And it's like I'm not giving you. Yeah, we're not going to share or do anything else. It's just like, good God. So right, right. Yeah, and that just doesn't happen. So I think that that huge opportunity there more than anywhere else for one or two of those guys maybe to like Simmons is probably the guy that I look at the most because he's the guy that has the most straight line like juice. I think Mel liked him the most last year in 2020 before Walker came in. So maybe this is an opportunity for him to really take off. He's younger. So, you know, he has more time too and everything else, but you know, across the board, it's just got to be that. But I think offensively you do have enough, you know, horse might not play the left tackle, but you do have enough everywhere else that is playing in this game that is going to be I here s- to, to really take something from this. I think it's not a waste at all. It's not even close. I saw Colton write that Simmons got some bad habits that he needs to break and shake. Mm-hmm. Um, what what's he referring to there? Like, what what do you need to see from this guy in this game that you know? Give me the scenario where coming out of the game, we're talking about Simmons for next year. Well, I don't think it's necessarily bad habits as much as it is like, and maybe Colton's referring to something else there, but like as much as it is like, it's and I think I know what he's saying. It's consistency. It's like Simmons is really good at putting his head down, finding a hole, and just slamming through it as fast as he can. And if that thing's blocked for six, he's getting six. But he's also talented enough to where, you know, if he can pick his head up sometimes and open his eyes, (laughs) maybe and look and see what's going on, there can be more there. And I think that vision with backs, especially that young, and that's probably the thing Colton's referring to. It's like, you can Mm -hmm. get, you can fall into some lazy habits, yes, where you're like, I know where this place is supposed to go. I'm going to just kind of focus in there and kind of just drive through it and, you know, not pay attention to anything else. And I think that is where you'd like to see Simmons. He's Collins has wiggle, but he's not the athlete that I think Simmons is. And the thing that made okay. Walker so good, obviously, is his eyes. His vision is absolutely ridiculous. It's better than anybody else we saw all year. So you're not asking him to be like that, but you're, you are, you did see this year a blueprint of, you know, what Michigan State's run game can be with a creative, you know, back with vision. And I think that Mel Tucker is going to say going forward, like, our backs here have to, you know, be able to run and play with physicality. But if you can't see things, then you can't play here. Like, because we have to, you have to be able to, we can't leave yards on the field, right? Mm -hmm. We can't leave extra stuff out there. If there's something somewhere, we got to find it. And I think that that's the thing you're looking at from a kid like Simmons now is, can you find extra yards? Not just through running a guy over. Can you find extra yards because you understand what the play is designed to do? That's the thing that people didn't think about with Walker. They talked about the vision. They talked about the speed, his power. Kenneth Walker is a smart football player. He knows everything about every one of those run concepts. You cannot watch him play and not understand that. He knows everywhere yeah. where everyone is going to be at all times. And I think that's the standard now at Michigan State. Great stuff. He said it. Everyone else has to follow it. I think that's what you're selling here as you go forward. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, I mean, it'll be interesting, but I think that they can gain a lot from this. And Pitt, I, you know, they don't have to pick it. So, I mean, it's just like, I can't, you know, it's not going to be the same. But I do think Michigan State, you don't look at it, and it's just going to sound weird when I say this. You want to win the game, but, like, as long as you play well, 
and you get good contributions from the guys that you know you're going to need next year, you're going to leave there feeling okay. You know, as long as everybody plays hard and doesn't quit or whatever else, you know, I think that that's what you're looking at. This is a weird deal. A lot of these teams are going to go through this until we get the playoff expanded, unfortunately. Hopefully we get the playoff expanded someday. But, like, they're going to keep going through it. And I think I you see Ohio State fans going through it for the first time ever, yeah. you know, with the Rose Bowl. And every, uh, some media people have never seen this before, and they're seeing it for the first time. But it's like, yeah, this is how it's going to be forever. If you're yeah. not in a playoff I mean, there, game, it's you know. Just, there's just a startling amount of just totally Got the cancellations, yeah. Meaningless games. And between between the cancellations and these games being so watered down due to the talent drain, mm-hmm. um, like, I don't know if it's just me. Like, this whole bowl season seems like it's completely lacking. And now I'm sure when the playoffs starts, it'll change a little bit. But, like, yeah. I don't know, man. Does anyone give a shit? Well, I mean, they don't about the bowls. <laughs> I mean, the bowl. No, not about the bowls. They don't. Yeah. The bowls are something to do. That's what they've become. In the 80s, they were a huge deal. In the 70s, mm-hmm. they were kind of a big deal, I assume. In the 90s, they were a huge deal. And then they stopped being a huge deal. And they're not anymore. And, like, you have to look at them for what they are, though. And that's kind of what I'm saying for Michigan State. And I think that, fortunately, for Michigan State, they have a coach who gets that. D'Antonio, mm-hmm. I don't think, got that. Harbaugh didn't get it. Remember a couple years ago when those guys were sitting out? He's like, this is ridiculous. He was pissed. <laughs> Uh-huh. Right? A lot of those guys were pissed because they didn't understand it. They were just like, why are you doing this? This is a big deal. This is a huge game, a Peach Bowl, like a New Year's Six. And like Devin Bush was like, the hell is a New Year's Six? I don't know what the hell that means. I'm not playing. You know, like I'm not going to blow my knee out and cost myself yeah. all this money. And it's like, it's a different world. And it's one that I think Harbaugh gets it now, of course, because he went through it. But it's certainly one that Mel Tucker understands. And I think that you take these games... And you have to take them for what they are, which is an opportunity to get better for next year. It's a start of your next season. You know, like all the stuff that – and Hardball has understood it. He was one of the first guys that argued for the, uh, you know, we should be able to play freshmen in bowl games and not have mm-hmm. it cost against their clock. Like that right. kind of thing. And I think, you know, there have been years where Michigan has never quite – they never quite found the recipe to how to <laughs> – navigate through a non-playoff bowl game as we've seen every one of them yep. every one of them was a mess except for that one orange bowl uh but like <laughs> i mean you gotta kind of a, find the right way for you i think and for michigan state it's gonna have to be a mixed bag because your offense i think you can look at them and say even though you don't have walker hey let's see let's see the rest of you guys who are here go out and play a hell of a game and defensively Let's see some guys that can just hang in there and see what happens, man. Like, if you give up a bunch today, whatever, we're going to rebuild this thing in the offseason anyway and retweak it. Let's just play loose and play free and see if we can make some gains and get the hell out of here. Like, I think that's what you take from a bowl game now. That's it. Nothing else. And as they go forward, if these teams start telling these bulls, like, we ain't coming for the week. We'll be there at kickoff. And go fuck yourself for everything else. Like, wouldn't be surprised. And it wouldn't be the and I hate I would hate to see it, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, you just would hate to see it if that happened. <laughs> you saw Dana Hogerson last night after Houston beat. Uh, Auburn oh my God! Being like, I sat here for twenty minutes after we won the game, and because you told me the press conference wasn't ready for the, you know, and it's like, what are you doing? What, what is happening here? Like, Why is so, this so hard? The yeah. Bulls, 
They're an answer from an old world. They're, 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 they're something that we use from a broken old system. And fewer and fewer people are clinging to them uh, each and every day. Unfortunately, yeah. though, some of those people are they're still like, in charge of the NCAA. So, like, yeah. It's like still having the landline in your house. Yeah, basically. Right? It's, just, um, it's not the same. It, it is notable for, for Mel that, you know, 49 years old, this is his first time coaching as a head coach in a bowl game, sure. right? And it's one of those things you got to do it for the first time. At some point, it's still a big deal for your. It's yeah. still a big deal for your program to sell in recruiting because you made it. Mm. Whatever happened, you know. I think that's what I look at the Bulls like. That year for Michigan, it was like, hey, you made it to the New Year's Six Bowl in like two years. You just put that on your resume as like a New Year's Six appearance. Who gives a shit if you won it? You put it on the I, like, Michigan State's going for an eleven win season, right? That's, yeah, that's significant. Yeah. I mean, like things like that. Anything you want to shape it at this point is kind of how I look at it. If you've made it to a sure. good bowl. Which is what the, we've all determined. This is a good bowl, right? Like, then whatever happens in that bowl is kind of irrelevant to me. It doesn't matter. Like the old flawed logic of judging conferences against each other through the bowls was like just that. It was flawed. But I mean, back in the day, it was all we had, right? In the '80s, we have more now. We don't need that sort of thing. So it's just a different thing. And I think some people take bowls for whatever they are. I love how the Iowa fans treat their bowls. You know, they always go. Uh, Scott was there last... I saw him tweeting last night. He's in Orlando for Iowa against uh, whoever they're playing in the Cheez-It Bowl. Right. Or, no, he's at Iowa State, I guess. He's with Iowa State right yeah, now. He's going to go catch up with Iowa. But Iowa and Iowa State, same thing. They got the bush light down there, having the Cheez-Its, everybody having a good time. Like, it's, a shit, right? like it's, it's the week in between Christmas and New Year's. It's, like, whatever. You know what it is? <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the conference tournament for an NCAA <laughs> team. Of, yeah. That, that, you know, yeah. when you're just going... Like, yeah, you know you're going to be a three-seed in the NCAA tournament. Who gives a shit what happens in the conference tournament? But let's go watch the boys play. Yeah, let's have a good we'll time. Get, we'll get hammered, <laughs> spend a couple nights in a hotel, and then we'll go... We'll go to the real deal. We're going to you know get what I mean? fucking blasted and twice. Of note, of note, you know who was in last year's Peach Bowl? The national champion? No, do you know who was in last year's no. Peach Bowl? I have no idea. Who was it? Last year, it was Georgia versus Cincinnati. Well, there you go. Two teams that ended up in this year's playoff. So, yeah, man. Like, I mean, all teams are in Fun different facts. places, of course. But I do think Michigan State again. And I thought this the whole way. I thought this at the beginning. It's like, no matter how no matter how you wanted to shift, shift it or shape it, like for where they're at right now as a program and everybody was so, and you know, everyone deserves it. All the Michigan state fans that have lived through ups and downs deserve to be happy that you, the, you were able to pay a coach. And, and that was something mm -hmm. that I think distracted from a lot going on here, but they are still at a very critical spot right here. There's a lot of work left to be done, you know, for them to get, for them to stay on track, I guess. That's what I would say. Like mm -hmm. this winter is so much about, you have to stay on track. They can't fall behind. When we come back next season and we go up there, you know, and you got to, we want to see a Michigan State team that we expect you, they go into these games against these teams that you know I'm talking about and we expect them to win those games, right? That's what we want to see now for Michigan State going forward. We don't want to see any reverse. So, like, that's what I think about when I think about the Peach Bowl for them. Finish strong in whatever area you've deemed you need to finish strong in. Get the hell out of there and go back and start fixing the things that you need to fix to get better. As long as you don't fall behind, everything's okay. And that's how I look at this one for Michigan State. It's almost, it's win-win. I don't think that there's any way you, unless you go into this game and everyone, like Thorne says, I don't want to play and I'm going to sit on the field and cry or something. Like, which yeah. would never happen. So, like, I don't see, you know, uh, this feels like a win-win scenario for Michigan State. I think they'll they'll handle it that way. And 
The, the Reed Naylor speculation was very confusing to me because they were there and practicing, but people still didn't know if they were playing. I'm like, well, if they're there and practicing. Well, if they're hurt, you know, it was like if they were like dinged I, up. I was, or, I was just very confused. If you don't want to injure yourself. I feel like you call it. But I think like, the thing I say, they don't have anybody on that team other than Kenneth Walker that needs to be sitting out any games that doesn't <laughs> have any room to grow. So if you're hurt, that's one thing, right? Yeah. If you're hurt, like Quaveras Crouch, I think is hurt. But like, if he could play, he needs to be playing. All of them need to be playing. Like, that's mm. what I would say to everybody not named Kenneth Walker. Like, if you're coming back, you absolutely have something to play for right now because your ass is going to get recruited over if you don't. Like, that's how it's going to go. So, like, <laughs> uh, you know, right. that's that's the – they know that, too. And you can tell by, you know, how those guys talk nowadays compared to what it was even a couple of years ago. That's another thing. You could, you know, I think if you pay attention, you notice how Michigan State players – talk about the program and talk about how they go about their business and how that's changed from what it was right. with D'Antonio, right? It's like, they get it and they understand what this business trip, right? Like that kind of thing. And it's not a season end party anymore. You know, it's not that. That's not what this is. And um, I think everyone understands that. Yeah. All right. Let's let's jump over. Yeah. And uh, Michigan. To the playoff. Yes. To the playoff. How about it? How about uh, it? I, I want to start with your piece today okay. on Cade McNamara. Mm-hmm. It's excellent profile. You know, good good profile writing, good feature writing is not a biography. Right. Good feature writing, good profile writing <laughs> reveals something. Right. About the person that speaks to a larger universal truth. Right. Right. So any any young hacks out there, that's what you're going for, right? <laughs> Nick's was a great example because it was one of those pieces that as I'm reading it, I'm going back through the season and I'm thinking about right. all the McCarthy McNamara stuff. And, you know, early on, it's easy. It's so easy to just be drawn to the shiny object. Yeah. Right. right? And that's McCarthy, uh-huh. right? Just this kit six three. He and rightly that so. goddamn rightly ball so. and just looks. Yeah. You're just like, oh, that guy's a pro. Yeah, play him, right? Yeah. And and McNamara is, you know, talent, good, not nearly as enticing, right? Sure. And you just go back and you think about that conversation going back and the fans freaking out anytime <laughs> he had an incomplete he, he pass throw, <laughs> and you're like, man, why did Harbaugh never blink? Why did the program mm-hmm. never flinch? Really, at least that, as far as I could tell, yeah. in its belief, like this is the guy. Yeah, McNamara's the guy. No, nope. and you read that story, and it all becomes mm-hmm. abundantly clear. Yeah, they're the same person. <laughs> it's Harbaugh, 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 and McNamara are the same person. I mean, right. yeah, I mean that's what struck me as the year went on, and you talk to people and. You know, listening to Cade talk um, and listening to how and watching really more watching him, um, I guess, interact with the media, if any, yeah. as much as anything else. Um, you know, and I think that there was I was taken back to the Rutgers game. This is a little bit of an aside, but the Rutgers game, I think it was where he had it wasn't great. People were bitching and complaining and somebody yeah. asked him about. You know, you had some misses out there today or whatever. And he, he got that look on his face immediately. And he was like, misses? What the hell are you talking about? I didn't have any misses. <laughs> and it was like, okay. And I and everybody in the room was like, 
you know, awkwardly laughing or whatever. And I'm like, hey, that looks familiar. I'm like, that sounds like, that sounds like the old ball coach. And I mean, it was just like, the more the year went on, the more it struck me that like these guys are very similar in how they think about football. And more importantly, how they think about what the job of a quarterback is supposed to be. That, Mm -hmm. as much as anything, is what clicks. And so when I talked to, you know, his high school coach, talked to his dad, and, you know, I, that was the thing I wanted to ask his dad the most was like when they first met in person, not on the phone, not whatever. Like when they first, mm-hmm. you know, what was that like? And he was like, G- you know, holy shit. <laughs> he was like, it was like two guys that had been known each other for 50 years. And it wasn't like a thing that was made up. He's like, I had people coming up to me in the hallway, like 20 minutes in there. Like, this is not normal. He does not do this <laughs> with any player, not just the quarterbacks, anybody. Uh-huh. You know, he was like, they were in a, he called it a full football exchange the outside world was shut off and they were just together within 15 minutes mm-hmm. and you you know you go through that and you you hear people talk about how k grew up in football and how he thinks about himself um you know in the story about and you know his dad has stories about this his coaches have stories about this the confidence that he has and you know and other people have written this sort of thing too but you know k's the guy who you know, because he was such a great player in high school and he put up all those big numbers, he worked with Jordan Palmer. Uh, he was able to, you know, go through go to camps and he threw with some pros. He threw sessions with pros in high school and things like this. And, like, he would be around those guys and leave the session and be like, well, I'm better than all of them. Like, I'm <laughs> legitimately better. And, like, his dad, like, he's, like, not joking. Like, not blinking, not kidding. I'm dead serious. I'm, I would be a better quarterback for the Denver Broncos right now than that guy. That's Cade McNamara. The only other person I've ever interacted with in football that is along those lines is Harbaugh. And it reminds me, it reminded me immediately of the story that in, we actually recounted it on The Athletic earlier this year, the Peyton Manning story of when Harbaugh recruited him, or tried to recruit him as a free agent there yeah. with the 49ers, and they played catch because Harbaugh always plays catch with the quarterbacks that he's recruiting. And Peyton's like, I'm pretty sure we played catch because he wanted to show me that he had a better arm than me. Like, that was the only reason we played catch. <laughs> so good. And I was like, yeah. they are the same guy. <laughs> like, they're. Yeah. you can say a lot of things to them. Do not tell them they can't do something because they will kill themselves trying to prove to you that they that they can. This is the quarterback that Harbaugh has always been looking for at Michigan. That's it. And it's going to take. And people will ask the question, what's going to happen in the spring with J.J.? I don't know, but it's going to take one hell of an effort. From J.J. McCarthy to pull that job from Cade McNamara's hand. Yeah, he better he better and, come uh, into the spring with a crowbar. I think, I think either the, either to pry him out of there or to no, take his kneecap out. Right. No, the thing I think that <laughs> the thing I think that makes this unique and the thing that I think has Harbaugh so excited is that like McCarthy's the same way. He's not that different. He's also like mm-hmm. a psychopath with this sort of stuff. So we'll see. But Cade McNamara is a very unique, very unique player. And um, you know, you talk to. You know, we t- remember when we would talk about recruits that Beeline would get on early and hide? Yeah. He would try to hide them. You know, the minute I talk about this guy, Duke's on him, you know, this kind of shit. Yep. Yep. The yep. more I looked at it, Saban had him, had McNamara at the top of his recruiting board. Gaddis has said this. His dad said this. I have no reason to believe that it's not true. Um, it was two years, two, a cycle or two after they signed Mac Jones, who obviously Mac Jones now, everyone sees him. In New England, and we've all seen, you know, what makes him attractive as a quarterback is his sure. processing and his ability to get the ball out, not take sacks, see the field. Saban 
as far as I can tell, saw that in Cade McNamara, and without saying anything to anybody, was like, this is our guy. We can't let anyone find him. Notre Dame, Brian Kelly watched the second half of one game as, of his, from his sophomore season and offered him. Mm-hmm. And Harbaugh was like, I want him right now. Like, this is, that's him. He's not the physical, like, phenom or whatever, but when you heard the quotes in the offseason from Matt Weiss, Michigan's quarterback's coach, being like, who just came from the NFL, by the way, saying, Kate right. McNamara has what it takes to play in the NFL for 15 years. That's what they meant. And it was very hard, yes, all season to explain that to people. Because it was hard for me to explain that to people. Like, I I, I couldn't, you know, and this, this was a good job of doing that. I think at the end of the year where it was like, I got to find a way to get these people <laughs> to explain why... Why yeah, they yeah, yeah. stuck with this kid, and it made sense in the end, of course, but like there's you gotta understand why that was there. And I think as you go forward watching football, you gotta understand that like quarterback, this freshman stuff, these guys walking in these programs out of high school and just doing this, man, I'll tell you, it's not not as easy as some people want to tell you that it is. It's not. And there's a lot yeah. more that goes on to it that we see in camps and everything else. And it's a lot more with quarterbacks goes on inside the head that you and I and nobody else will never, ever, ever see a very hard position to judge impossible for people like me to judge. Right. Um, really. And you know, yeah, that's, that's the difference, I guess, with Katie. It, it It's funny. The, this notion of them kind of being the same person. Cause you try to like explain that yeah. to people and it's tough, but like one thing that you come across, I think doing this, this job for a long time is like there there's different kinds of folks and there are, <laughs> yes, there so are. there are, there are people who are coaches mm-hmm. and then there are coaches who happen to be people. That's right. That's right. <laughs> right. Yeah. There are people who are point guards and then there are point guards who happen to be people. Yeah. Quarterbacks the same way. Right. What I mean by that is like they are, they can't, they can hardly function speaking to just like me and you, Joe guy, <laughs> yeah, right. right? Because like if you can't speak on their level, they just can't handle yeah, you're it. You're wasting like, their time yeah. because they're just not right. Like <laughs> you're wasting their time. De- developed right. like yeah, as right. people yeah. <laughs> to be able to like fuck. Like you talk to some coaches. Yeah, that's how and, it like, is. And let unless you're like you know able to 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 comprehend things and 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 speak their language. They just don't have time with it. No. Don't have time for you or interest in even speaking. And then you have people who are at the highest level of it. And if you just ask an open question, they'll talk. You know, yeah. they're just normal. Yeah. Like Jay like, Wright's one of those people. Like John right? Madden. Yeah, right. You know, you get, in, you get into a conversation with Jay. Yeah, Jay Wright. Great example. Like, and he's just engaging and he'll try to explain what he's talking about. You take the conversation to another level and show you have a different yeah. understanding. He'll talk to you at that level. Izzo is if like you that, want right, to talk yeah. to him at the absolutely yeah. great you know, example. If you want to talk at the highest level, he'll talk at the highest level. If you want to talk at the lowest level, he can talk. At the yes, lowest level. yes, yes. And that's just the way it is. And then yeah. there's others who are just incapable of. <laughs> they just can't do it. You know. And so, yes, like Harbaugh looking for someone who is just just like him. That mirror image <laughs> makes so much sense. Yeah, because they just have difficulty communicating otherwise. Yeah, and it's like I don't have to worry about things with him mm-hmm. because I know that he knows. I know that he gets it. I know that he understands. I know that this is a, I know that this is as important to him as it is to me. 
right? Like, I think that that, for guys like that, like the guys that you're saying, and I know, and everybody knows who we're talking about. There's a bunch of them all over the place. <laughs> Any interaction that I can't gain an advantage out of, I don't want to have because it's a waste mm-hmm. of my time. Like mm-hmm. that, and that's 100% what they, that's how they think. That's how yeah. they think. Beeline was a bit like that, right? A little bit. I mean, he was a, a bit, bit like that. If I'm not gaining something out of this, I don't want to be here right now. Like that's, mm-hmm. and you could sense it when you would talk to them and Beeline wasn't rude about it. Harbaugh can be right. rude about it. Right. And he doesn't apologize for it. And I've actually never really had a problem with that. I've actually found it to be kind of like maybe one of his best. As long as you understand it. I do under- Once you understand right. it, you can deal Once with it. Once I got it, to but- understand it, I actually right. found it to be maybe one of his best traits. That he doesn't, <laughs> that he just doesn't put up with shit that he doesn't want to put up with. And it's like, I don't know how you do that. But that's a pretty admirable thing to do. And Cade McNamara is the same way. I mean, it really is. These quarterbacks... They have so much coming at them, you know, and I've seen so many different ones over the years, you know, thoughtful guys, studiers who just don't want to do anything else, creative guys who don't, who try to make it less complicated. None of it really works, uh, (laughs) except this, except just being, you know, the guy who can shut off the world and be obsessive about it. And he can, and shutting off the world, I think is the more important thing. And that's really what Cade and, and I think Harbaugh have in common more than anything is their ability to, you know, there's, there's a part in that story where, you know, Gary's dad talks about, you know, cause his, uh, middle son, uh, is a Jake or Kyle. I'm mixing it up now, uh, plays, mm-hmm. plays at Western Kentucky. So they were at, so when Michigan was playing at, uh, Nebraska this year, um, Gary was at Western for Western or wherever Western was at. He was at a game watching the Nebraska game on his phone and he's with his other son in the stands and they're watching it with, you know, kind of trying to watch both. And they saw Cade threw the pick at Nebraska yes, in the third quarter. Yeah. This was a great anecdote. The stadium is like coming on, fuck, you know, unglued. Yeah. And it was. <laughs> you go back and watch that game. Like, that was one of the best crowds of the year. And you thought to yourself at the time, you know, where Michigan was at in the season, you're like, well, this is over. They're losing this game. And, mm-hmm. you know, the camera does flash to Cade as he's unbuckling his strap and he looks up and it catches him right in the eye. And Gary and son look at each other and we're like, he is totally fine. This is, everything is fine. Very next drive, he comes back out and they go down the field, 10 plays, score a touchdown, shut the crowd up, and they win the game. And it's like, they knew. And like, those are the type of things. I think Harbaugh was like that as a player. Cade is certainly like that as a player. They're not perfect, but you're going to have to kill them to beat them. <laughs> and I sure. think that's that's the thing, you know? And and uh, Michigan has one of those guys right now, and, and those guys are hard to find. Yeah. So, in, in terms of how this translates to Friday night, yeah. Um, <laughs> Seems like an important deal to have a fearless quarterback for this game because yeah, George is right. going to throw Everything. the whole damn thing at you, and you need a guy who has that whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And you're right; he's not perfect. No, Cade McNamara, he threw that interception late against Michigan State, you know, and he had a great game that day. Threw for damn near 400 yards, yards yeah. threw, threw two touchdowns. He he was great a lot of time. Also threw a costly interception. And and they lost that game. They blew that game. They had the lead. They lost it. Yep. Right. So, you know, th- we're not acting like this guy is Peyton Manning. No, right. No. Um, but there is something to be said for when you're going into a game like this. You want a guy who's not going to blink, and you want a guy who, when he throws an interception that feels like it's going to swing the game, is going to has the balls to feel like yeah. the next time they he gets the ball in his hands, he's going to take you on a ten drive throw it down their throats type of guy. So, you know, we'll see. It's the most important trait 
in a quarterback is mm-hmm. what they do after something bad happens. And yes, in a game like this, and this is why I have thought, this is part of the reason why the offensive line is the other, um, but McNamara, really, and the receivers and their discipline versus what Georgia has at quarterback. I like Michigan's situation. They're better against this defense mm-hmm. because it's he doesn't take sacks. I know they're going to pressure him more, and they're probably going to get to him more than anybody has all year, and they're going to you know create more TFLs and stuff like this. But this group has done such a good job of avoiding the disasters and avoiding the avalanche and avoiding the they just hung in the fight. Like you got to kill them to beat them. Like that's what you got to mm-hmm. do to these guys. And I think that as people like you and I sitting here, we've watched them up close all year. We've seen this. Like we know that. And I think that I, I would bet you're probably the same way. When they drew Georgia, I was like, I, I actually think they can give Georgia a game. I think they can fight Georgia, play them pretty tough. I don't know if they'll beat them. They might get beat pretty soundly. I have no idea. But like, I do think that if they play their best, they, they have enough to play Georgia and maybe beat Georgia. I think that that's certainly possible. But I don't think everyone else understands that, and I understand why. You have to really kind of watch this team play to get it. They don't ever die. They just kind of keep, mm-hmm. they just stay there. They don't go away, right. you know, like in right. Georgia did go away against Alabama. And I, and that is something that stuck into my head as well. So, and there's two yeah. ways to look at that. Now there's two ways to look at that. Yeah. If this were a Georgia podcast, yes, there is. we'd be yeah, sitting right. here. We'd be sitting here saying this team got humbled and now they're ready, ready to, to come roll. back. They want Alabama. You bet. They want Alabama more than anything in the world. Right. Yeah. Um, but their life depended on it. And so this game is... They could blow you know, their the, doors off and it will be no reason that anything Michigan did, right? A thousand percent. A thousand percent. You were just right. the other and, team on the other side that day. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, the, and and it's, it's really important for Michigan to have a guy. Like, there's a chance Georgia comes out on fire and boom, boom, it's 14 nothing. Yep. And we're all sitting there saying, okay, are they about to just go off? Is this going to be 42-10 and like, holy shit, Michigan still is not at that next Right, because they do not have the talent like that. Right? Um, But you got a quarterback who, like you noted in that story, right, was down 31-7 at halftime to a team that was supposed to be the best of the best. And he defiantly told the team they're going to have the greatest comeback in Nevada high school history. And, and he goes back and did it. <laughs> yeah, right. So, I mean, shit. Because there's a chance Michigan does find itself in that situation. I think in this so. Game. Like, yeah. bad stuff's going to happen. Georgia's really stuff, goddamn yeah, good. Right. They got NFL dudes all over the goddamn place. Mm-hmm. They might come out and it could be 20 nothing at the end of the first quarter and everyone's just shook. Yeah. But if Michigan's... If the guy who's at quarterback isn't shook, you know, you at least yeah. have, a, have a chance to, to maintain or sustain... Uh, and that's you know, the, some level of, of playing back into it. That's that's Harbaugh football. That's why mm-hmm. it fits, and that's why you know there will be more talented players that come through here. Ma- uh, McCarthy's more talented, and when, right. and if it and if it works out to where he's the guy someday, he'll be the guy someday. But you know what? He'll be tougher because of what Kate McNamara just did for the position here at Michigan. Like this is what mm-hmm. he's been looking for. He's been looking for a guy that could play it like he did when he was here. You talk to people that played with Jim Harbaugh, and they'll say he was an asshole. He was a son of a bitch. All these things. But you know what? When we walked out there and we got into a huddle, I would not have picked any other human being alive because I knew that he had my back, I had his, and he was going to have to... You were going to have to kill him! Like, that's what it was. That's what it was like playing with him. And I think that they found a guy... All the Like, Vistardis loves him. 
the offensive line loves him. Kate, I'm talking about. The defense loves him. All these guys are just like... So when people would say, you know, why aren't they starting JJ? I'm like, you probably would have a fight with, like, other players on the team if you took mm-hmm. him off the field, right? Like, not to mention the fact, and we haven't even touched on this, that the kid is the only quarterback I can think of in the country that has been put in this situation and has handled it the way that he has, all things considered, everything else. So, right. Yeah, I think they have what they need to give them a scare and a game and maybe even steal it, but it's going to have to be something like that. They're going to have to steal it because, yeah, Georgia has 11 NFL players starting on defense. There's no other <laughs> way. <laughs> I don't know what else to say on that. You know, I mean, they just do. They're, you, you can pick. Everyone likes to point at Jordan Davis because he's 6'6", 360 pounds. He's not the best player on their defense. Like, I think there's two or mm-hmm. three guys better than him on that group. So, And he's really good, too. He's a first-round pick. You know, like, that's... That's what they are. They're just overloaded right. with talent. So, yeah, but, we'll see. So, most important thing yeah. is getting to Friday and kicking the ball off. That's most important, yes. By far the most important yeah. thing right now. I would also say we this. Got, got what? Uh, yeah. With the, now, a little over 48 hours we can't, we can't of, wait, of, of, of waiting with bated breath. Like, and that's the world we live in right now yeah. of just Jesus yeah, <laughs> like because no one will be able to handle it. Not around here. Well, no. I mean, maybe they can if they <laughs> if they postpone. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, and that's so, the thing I would say too with the COVID stuff. Because I was going to say because I had people asking me yesterday, "Is are people out with COVID?" And I'm not going to sit here and uh, rumor people's medical right. histories on a podcast. But I, I would yeah. say to you all that uh, with the new CDC stuff and everything else, I think that. On both sides, especially with Michigan, I would say no one I don't think has been ruled out. I think if mm-hmm. there was a positive test of COVID several days ago or whatever, within the window, there would still possibly be time today or tomorrow for a player possibly to rejoin. So I think that uh, that could happen. I'm not saying that it would, but I don't think that that's ruled out either. I don't know if you know the answer to this question. That might so. be convoluted, but, but I think people could pick up what I'm dropping there maybe a little bit. Do we know if so outside of a player coming forward with symptoms or not feeling well? Yeah. Do we know if there's there's no round of testing between now and Friday? I don't know right? if I, I, I don't know I don't what, know why there would be. I don't see that's the thing I don't know, because like the NCA was still operating under the old rules of like eighteen months ago, which was right. like test everybody all the time. And that's why people were constantly coming up with, you know, COVID hits because it was like you're testing everyone all the time and like the NFL I believe is getting to a point where they're like we have to stop testing people unless they have symptoms like especially if they're vaccinated or whatever like that kind of so I'm not sure I think that's very fluid I think I you know I think that everyone is just like flying by the seat of their ass with a lot of this right now and I think the schools as you saw with the the media stuff they're just like hedging all things and waiting to Mm -hmm. the last possible second and then making a decision like that's what's kind of going on here and right. you've seen it with the bowls too these cancellations that are happening three hours before kickoff or whatever like six with the holiday bowl yesterday was like literally like a couple hours before kickoff they were like we're done <laughs> you're just like okay and then 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 we're like but we're not maybe done we want to try again and a lot going on hopefully for the love of god someday we can take all of this as a learning experience to fix this disaster of a postseason <laughs> and <laughs> make something that works but you know and, and the structure of leadership yes which, and that you know, too leadership in huge air quotes there's yeah. just everyone's looking at each other and no one and trying to yeah each no other voice, and no one and everyone wants no voice every, no singular voice everyone no singular wants plan, that right no anything 
Um, I think everyone wants that too. I think everyone wants yeah. a central voice. I think that's something, that's probably the one thing you would get everyone in college football to agree on, right? Like, can you just get us one voice that like a, that we all respect and that we all trust, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how that seems difficult, but I feel like that's probably not as impossible as we're making it out to be, right? You could find you think? a czar in there, a commissioner, as they like to call it or whatever, and, and let that person build a team of central leadership that is <laughs> rational and human <laughs> like, you know, like, or whatever. I don't know. Like, what else do we say at this point? Like, because currently it's not that. It's either of those things. Mark Emmer, <laughs> I have the I have the hardest job in the world. Uh, university president is the hardest job in the world. Get this guy the fuck away from all of these sports and never let him come back. Okay, like th- it's time, it's time to move on from whatever this is and bir- birth something new from the ashes of uh, the NCAA here. And my God, the uh, I'm, some of the like responses to. Everything that's going on right now, like I'm, I'm obviously monitoring college basketball the closest, and you've yeah, got right. like the funniest thing is you've got teams being like, "We're going virtual only on on media." <laughs> Why? Yeah. You're playing in arenas yeah, right. with ten thousand, fifteen thousand people, people. Yeah, right. not wearing masks. <laughs> the only ones wearing masks are media, by the way. But, <laughs> exactly. The only ones wearing masks are media. I would say ninety-eight percent of media is, is vaccinated. Is not only vax but boosted because we're all yeah, right. unhealthy pieces of shit. Right, we would die if we got COVID. We would immediately die. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but yeah, yes, you can't have a press yeah, conference right. in person. That is that no, is a no, risk no. that no one's willing. You to you unsavory <laughs> pieces of shit are going to infect our team. What are we talking about? Yeah, Seton Hall, which plays in the Prudential Center, it's an NBA arena with twenty thousand seats. Yeah. They're going virtual only for. <laughs> hey, look it, you guys. These teams want to do this. Uh-huh. Don't come crying when everybody forgets about you. <laughs> don't come crying. I don't want to hear it. I'm not answering your call when everybody forgets about you. When you've shut off X. I mean, because you we laugh, but you know it'll happen. Yeah. You know it'll happen. You shut off X. Well, why don't we ever get any coverage? Well, goddamn. <laughs> Only one that ever does it. Like, I, it, what's Michigan State doing? I bet Izzo is still making it work. Izzo wanted to still have open. Yeah, I bet he did. Here, and I'm pretty sure the school was like, no. Izzo was going to buy hazmat suits for you guys and <laughs> put them on you, and get you in there for crying out loud. Ha- show goes on, right? Like, but they are still in person. Yeah, for me. yeah, yes, yes. Not to say that they're reckless there or whatever. I'm just saying, like, it's important to him, so he's going to do the things that he needs to do. You know, yeah. if it, if it has to go away, it has to go away. But I think that, you know, it's not important to, it's it's actually, it's, you know, it's the opposite of that for most college yes. coaches at this point. Not most. I, that's not fair. There are some, I think, that get it. There are some that some get, get that get the value of that. And they do get where some, it can get carried away, of course. But mm-hmm. we'll see where that all goes. I don't know. I don't really have a lot of faith that the NFL is going to f- uh, bring it back to anything close to what it used to be after this is all, whenever we... yeah. And you know that will obviously trickle to college, right? Right. Um, but I'm. Yeah, I could see the NFL. I could be wrong. Ending, but. I could see the NFL going to a like no more post game locker room, but like Monday locker room something. still something like that, where it's just going to be we'll give you this, yeah. but we're taking away that. One of those situations. Yeah. It won't uh, be as much probably. Because at the end yeah. of the day, I mean, football's so 
big and these players like well that's if the, i'm the right. if i'm the backup if i'm the left guard or any of these guys i'm like you still want media around exactly. in some degree because and I think that's, otherwise that's you're the, never going to get put on the podium the nfl understands that better than any other league i think is yeah. in that you know all and players and coaches too like you know, you see guys climb ladders and get better jobs and, you know, eat players too, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, and find ways around things. They understand it way better than any other league. The NBA, it's very combative, as you see oftentimes. Not always, but sometimes it gets combative and everything else. I I wish more leagues got that. And I wish mm-hmm. there was some way for all of us to sort of like, you know how the, the players union, I wish there was a way for us to sort of like talk talk with yeah. when there are like you know pro football like Lindsay Jones works for us here she's mm-hmm. obviously big with uh, pro football writers and everything else but I wish there was more of a you know because those that understand it really do see the right. value and understand that the good ones do add value to the game and everything else and but you know unfortunately bad ones take away value so I get it too both sides and it's interesting like you talk about the importance of uh like guys looking to climb yeah and stuff like my that. god yeah right like uh, Luke Yaklich is one of the all-time examples. <laughs> one of the all-time examples, right? Yeah. He was here. Beeline, once a press conference, would mention it and the job he was doing with the defense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Once a week. They go to the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. right, where it's open locker room. There would be a crowd around Luke. There was more of people like around him. writers. Yeah. Than anybody that would else be in like the room. more so than around like Xavier Simpson. Right. You're just like, you know, and to those of us around the program, well, you had already written about Luke. You know, yeah, that was hilarious. Times. I remember that he was, but like every <laughs> national outlet is writing these giant pieces yeah. on Luke Yaklich, who was a high school coach three years, math teacher, this. science teacher. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that, and and boom, lining up out the door, he goes to Texas, and then he gets a head job, and now he's. <laughs> There was in one second year as a head coach. There was one day in there where, like, um, after because you know he would stand in there and t- and there was like a line to talk to him and, there, and anyone that wanted to talk he would talk and he did and there was one day where at the end like it ended and he looked over uh, we like made eye contact and he gave me one of those like whoo like Jesus Christ like that was I'm like you're doing I'm like you're doing okay you're hanging in he's like God damn like I think it's worth it right I'm like it's worth it it's worth it like it or whatever but like. He must have answered like 7,000 questions in like a span of 28 minutes or whatever it yep. was that day. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But if you get it, it's it can it can work for you for sure. But we'll see. Okay. You got anything else? No, I think we're good. Good luck to everyone out there. Big games. Man. We'll see. What do you got? What do you think's happening here? What do you, th- you think Michigan's going to do it? I don't. No, I don't either. I think they have no. a chance. I think it's going to be a game though. I think it'll be close. I do I think, think be Georgia close. has just too much. I, 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 I say it's a game going into the fourth yeah. quarter. I don't know if they're going to be able to you know, maybe, yeah. maybe, you know, maybe Georgia tacks on a late touchdown something and makes a 10-point game or something like that that ends up looking a little yeah. more uh, than, than was actually there. But the thing I go back it's to— It's just a lot, man. It's a lot. It's a yeah. lot to overcome. Georgia can play the game because of their athletes kind of any way, any style, and they, mm-hmm. can, play, they can play it Michigan's way too. And, and that's the thing. No one else, other than really Michigan State, I guess, because they had Walker and they had dudes up front that could pop them. But Michigan ran the ball in that game, too. No one else really all year could match them with what they want to do from a physical, you know, beat you up kind of thing. And Georgia can. So they can do that. And their right. offensive line can do it, too. Like, their offensive line is – Michigan's was the best. Georgia's is probably the second or third best, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. what's happening here. So 
everything that Michigan is great at, Georgia is also great at. And everything Michigan is bad at, Georgia's good at. <laughs> so, like, that's <laughs> what we got going on here, you know? So, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's going to be a tall order, but I wouldn't expect anything other than them to put up a fight, you know? Yeah, and it's, you know, asking for a borderline flawless game. It's just And I hope lot, everyone so. enjoys it. Both yeah. sides, okay? Michigan State fans, enjoy it. It's a New Year's Six game. You don't know when you're getting back. Michigan fans, you've complained about this forever. <laughs> you're here. I don't care how it goes. You can take good stuff out of it when it's over. I hope everyone enjoys it. You've earned it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what Do you have a pick for the Michigan State pit game? Michigan State. I like Michigan State in that one. They have too much... And Pitt has lost too much. Like, I feel like yeah. Michigan State is bringing too much. Like, the guys, they're going to... It's going to be hard because they are losing some guys in this game, Michigan State, that are going to, like, crouch and some of these other guys. That would be important to have them. But, like, I think they have more, you know. And I think they have more. I think they have more going on, you know. I think they're in mm-hmm. a better place. Maybe I'm being bad on, or, you know, nagging on Pitt too much. I don't know. But, like, I think Michigan State's got bigger and better things... In, on the horizon, they know it, and I think that that's how they're preparing right now. I'd be surprised if it's anything else, and I'd be disappointed if it's anything else, because I think this is a chance for them to show show out. And then Michigan, I think it's the same. I think you, they play hard all the way, and we'll see what happens at the end. Georgia might have too much, but I think Michigan gives them a game. My only concern for Michigan State is if it's if it's leading by 3 or 7 or 10 at halftime, there's like a 50-50 chance Narduzzi comes out in the second <laughs> half in uniform. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and it's just like, over my over dead body. Over my dead body. Am, am I losing <laughs> to the man who has my job and my money? <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, for all I know, Mel Tucker and Pat Narduzzi are close friends. That yeah, could be, yeah. but they probably I don't know. They probably respect each other. I know yeah, I, Narduzzi, I think there's a chance he takes the paint <laughs> off the walls of that stadium yeah, before there'll be some, letting hey, them lose that game. But there will be some I, I do like Michigan State in the, uh, to get the dub here. There'll be some hitting in both those games, Thursday and Friday. Mm-hmm. So if you're a fan of hitting, John Madden would be proud of both Michigan State and Michigan's seasons, and I think they'll uh, show up well here in this bowl game. Yep, yep. And then uh, Michigan State plays at 3 o'clock today in hoops. Uh, they got some guys out with COVID, but they get high point. Tubby Smith. Tubby Smith's at high point now. Wow. Tubby Smith's the head coach at high point. Still coaching. Right. How about that? Good for him. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then tomorrow, I think it's a seven o'clock game. Michigan at UCF. Sneakily an important game. Oh my Michigan God. needs this win on there. What the hell are they doing resume. at UCF? <laughs> Going to Disney World? Not, not a great not a not a great piece of scheduling here to be yeah. playing on the road no. at UCF. Yeah. But uh Jesus. Sudden, Considering what's happened this year, uh, they can't afford to lose no, this game. No, I would not think so. so. Yeah, it's a sneaky, important game here yeah, coming up. The, yeah. uh, it, this is the old, the classic, like, uh, it, it's more of a can't lose than a must win. You know that that expression? I'm pretty sure Which I wrote, wrote that 10 years just, ago. I thought it was, those are always pretty sure most. I wrote that 10 years ago and thought it was super clever. <laughs> <laughs> well, and as we know, those are always just the best games, right? Just the <laughs> Just the most fun games to watch. Everyone's in mm-hmm. such a great mood for them. <laughs> end up lose, end up winning the game 68-67. You're just like, get us on the plane and get the hell out of here. Why did we do this? That was awful. Yes. One of those games. So uh batting so, down uh, the hatches for that one, everyone. <laughs> yeah, be exactly. But a lot of action coming up. <laughs> yeah. We got a uh, we've got four sh- three straight games, three straight days of uh, of local games. Uh and when's Big Ten Hoops by- come back? Eagles Redskins on Sunday. When's, or oh, I'm sorry, sorry. Eagles Washington when, uh, football team. When does yeah? Because I can't find a name yet. When does uh, okay. <laughs> after two years? When does uh, Big Ten hoops? When's that? When's the slate pick back up here? 
Oh, they they come back this weekend. This weekend, okay. Mi- Michigan State has Northwestern on the road. I want right to say around the New Year, yeah. Sunday, and then well, you know what's building like totally overlooked right I now. Know. January eighth. Yeah, it's coming up. January eighth. People are not going to be down. ready for that. Two thirty Saturday afternoon. Is Mich- Michigan, Michigan State. Would Michigan possibly be in the national championship game that Monday? If they win, uh, that would be correct. Yeah, wow, <laughs> Jesus, a lot coming on, a lot coming down a lot, the pipe here. A lot happening. I mean, Michigan. Hey, you want to talk about a recruiting day for Michigan, Michigan State for football for Old Mel? Oh yeah, there'll be some big old boys in the stands for Michigan, Michigan State that day at Presley. That game's in Ann Arbor, so if oh, Michigan it State is? brings okay, its well, recruits, hey. that'd be a hell of a move. <laughs> <laughs> Mel, Mel will be there recruiting. Michigan's uh, Michigan players. That's Harbaugh's coaching in the uh, playoff game. Maybe that'll be the move. Right, that's the move. Yeah. All right. That's the move. All right. Uh, all right. Well, good stuff. Thank you, my friend, yes, and sir. good job again. Make sure everyone uh, out there go check out that Keg McNamara story. You got a little offensive line action. Oh yeah, if buddy. I do believe. You, I wasn't so. gonna go through the year without getting a proper offensive line feature done. So I have a feeling that that's going to be yeah. required reading for uh, for everyone out there. Make sure you were following along with Colton. Yes. Uh, down there. Where the hell is he? Where Atlanta. is that game being played? Ha- Atlanta. Atlanta. Uh, follow along with Colton there. Follow along with me for some hoops and everyone else at The Athletic. And uh, we hope everyone had a wonderful holiday. We wish you all uh, a very, very happy and healthy new year. And be sure in 2022 to get vaxxed, boosted, and tip your bartenders and your servers. Good night. I seen hot towns on my day.